Welcome to Managing Marketing, and today I have the great honour to be talking with Jeff, Jeff Bullis, entrepreneur, blogger, author, and marketer. Welcome, Jeff. Thank you, Darren. It's great to be here. Well, look, uh, Jeff, um, I've been wanting to have this conversation for a while because I've been following you online and your blog at jeffbullis.com for many years, and uh, you have a terrific focus on one level but a breadth of content. So there's so many things that I've been wanting to uh, have a chat with you about. Right, okay. But let's start with the fact that um, there's some controversy going on, especially in this market, with uh, Professor uh, Mark Ritson, who is going around telling marketers, stop being distracted by digital and get back to basics because the basics still work. What do you think about that piece of advice purely on face value? Uh, I struggle a little bit with that because the evolution of marketing is happening, happening rapidly. And uh, I've been involved in sales and marketing for the last, I'd say, 30 years. And uh, yes, you've got to get the fundamentals right, like branding one-on-one, great copywriting is still great copywriting, whether it's online or offline. But the world's changed. So I don't know what his vintage is, um, but I, I'm really concerned when talking to marketing students, for example, and say, okay, so what are you being taught in your marketing degree? And um, are they, you know, you've been taught, you know, like digital marketing automation platforms, you've been shown how to, you know, create landing pages and those sorts of things. And you know what, most of the answers are no, we aren't touching that. Um, now that's going to change, but the problem I see in the universities and also higher education is they don't, they're not rapidly changing their content regarding the industry fast enough mm. and that's being filled in part by people that uh, are bloggers and online trainers that are teaching what this new digital marketing ecosystem is all about so you know i think to say that you know don't worry about digital is i think more like you know i'm a dinosaur and it's maybe uh, you know because they're not doing it how the way i used to do it so I think I'd be very wary of advice from someone who's maybe living in an ivory tower. Mm. And, you know, I've been involved in ivory towers. I've seen the imposition of, you know, tertiary degrees onto, um, into high school because I was a teacher and I saw that a lot of the imposition of the content from the ivory towers of university and the HSC um, into high schools was... Um, done by people who'd never had a real job. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. And and look, I think uh, one of the interesting things from my experience is university marketing teachers or lecturers are often people that have worked in the industry but are not currently working in the industry yeah. because they've become academics. Yeah. And so how do they keep up to date with the pace of change when even people like you and I that spend 100% of our time, yeah. you know, we, I know I personally struggle keeping up with every single innovation yeah. that's happening. Yeah, well, I feel I, I read and do, um, you know, the, the latest techniques uh, as they emerge. And, not, and it's not every shiny new toy I'm chasing. But I think if you are in university or a higher education space and you actually aren't involved in doing, you know, breaking things, trying new stuff out, and you maybe have been in university for the last four or five years, I think 
you're going to be it's going to you're going to be you're going to be really struggling because right. the last five years has been an absolutely it's just been a transformation. Yeah. And I believe that to be out of an industry for that long, which is not long in old traditional industries, no. but in a fast-moving digital world, marketing is one of the biggest things that's changed. You know, one of the things I think he's reacting to is, and, and you touched on it a minute ago when you said it's up to people like bloggers and, and commentators and industry people to really flesh out the conversation around what's happening in the industry. But I find that too much of the conversation takes this very black or white view. You know, it's like television is dead, you have to do video on demand. Or, you know, digital is not delivering, go back to traditional. And it's being driven by the large number of people that are out there as part of the commentary, and this is my opinion, that are actually doing it to purely sell whatever it is that they're selling. They're not there to give a you know, informed view, they're there to try and make a position that puts whatever they're selling in the best possible light. I, I totally agree and I think a lot of content marketers and social media marketers uh, get trapped in their own bubbles, mm. their own echo chambers and yes what they're trying to do is saying well you should be doing social media because we, like you said we sell social media but I believe that one of the biggest weaknesses I've seen in the space and within the industry both the social media marketers and also the content marketers, is that they forget one of the most important pieces of the puzzle, which is actually the ROI. They forget about the conversion piece. Yeah. So they do the, you know, they know how to get traffic, they know how to pay for that, they know how to grow traffic, they know how to you know, basically get that engagement through great content, and yes, it's entertaining, it's education, it's informative, but then they drop the ball a lot of the times on that last important part of the journey, which is converting that attention, that credibility and trust and that traffic into leads and sales. Yeah. Look, I agree because, you know, um, traditional advertising was always about awareness. It's top of the funnel stuff. Yeah. yeah. And then, you know, you can get as many as you like there. The beauty, the absolute beauty of the technology and the internet is this ability to actually follow the customer's decision-making journey down through that funnel to get the final few steps. That's right. To purchase, yeah. You know, and and alter, that was always the nirvana for um, marketers, was to be able to convert awareness into consideration, into per decision making and purchase. Yes. Right? The thing that happened along the way, and, and I'd, I'd be interested in your opinion on this, is that people started putting the wrong metrics along the way, you know, the clicks and the traffic and the things like that, without actually looking at the individual behaviours that were happening and, and so, you know, oh, I got, you know, marketers saying things like, oh, I got 5,000 people like my Facebook page, yep. which is just an awareness measure. Yep. It's not really an engagement measure. They're vanity metrics. Yeah. Uh, they don't mean anything until they actually turn up and buy. Yeah. And in Show me the money. That's right. <laughs> and uh, the reality is that what you've got to do is that you've, you can measure now that what is converting by, you know, using coding in your in your marketing as in your yeah, digital marketing absolutely. and what's happened with marketing is it used to be like the mad men of madison avenue and it was all about you know creative lunches long lunches and and vodkas and martinis and great created some fantastic ads which is the top of the funnel awareness fantastic and people would walk past the store oh, i saw that brand maybe should pop in but that's very fluffy stuff, right? Mm. It's really fluffy metrics. And some of the metrics have been used in the advertising industry 
Um, I seriously have trouble understanding what they really mean. Exactly. Right. Um, so what's happened with marketing is it's become an art. It was an art, now it's becoming an art and a science. And that's something I think the modern marketer has to really grasp. And a lot of that art and science is not being taught properly yet at most universities around the world. There's some really great universities that are really been progressive that teach you know good digital marketing. But I think in the main, uh, there's a long way to go yet. Well, you know, there's still marketing courses that teach the four Ps, which was developed, I think, in the 1950s for consumer goods and are almost totally irrelevant to services industries. That's right. And yet most of the marketing that we we see is now services-based. That's right. We, we live in a knowledge economy, I think. Yeah. Some of the numbers I see in terms of the number of workers in the knowledge economy are in the 70s and 80%. Mm. So you've got to understand that we live in a world that's all about knowledge now. So services industry, um, your IP, uh, really, really important to actually get across and build credibility based upon your IP and maybe your potential thought leadership and influence within an industry. And that's done through content. Content now defines you. Well, I'm glad you mentioned that because that was uh, my next uh, topic that I wanted to talk to you about. You've built a huge personal brand, but also a business around content marketing. And content marketing has been a very successful strategy for a lot of B2B marketers, okay? Yeah. Um, either building personal brands or building uh, you know, a business, a, a services business, a B2B business. But we're now starting to see B2C and the big B2C marketers, such as the PepsiCo's and the Mondelez and the Coca-Cola's of the world, are talking about content. But why do you think they struggle so much with actually implementing a content strategy that engages their customers and actually brings those customers into the brand to, to the purchase decision making? Because I think they're trapped in the past and a lot of the marketers in that space are in their 40s and 50s. They're, you know, they've earned the right and the stripes along the way. Um, and the thing they really struggle with, I believe, in the conversations we've had um, is a mindset thing. Mm -hmm. So they've said, this has worked for me for the last 30 years. Why should I change what I'm doing? But there's smoke on the horizon and it is a fire. And you know, we only have to see what's happening in, in industries like the taxi industry which is basically being totally disrupted. And we're seeing you know, Airbnb, and these are trotted out all the time. So the reality is that content can be used in a variety of ways, mm. right? And we see that a lot of the ads are about fun and entertainment, and that's great. And we all need to have content that does that. But there's a phrase that I use when I'm talking about content in terms of what sort of content should I be using. It's like, it should inform. Yep. Okay, so that's the news. It should educate. Okay, it should entertain. And also, there's a really important piece. It's called the X part. It's the inspire piece. Yeah. So you so want to inspire important. people to take action. So I believe that content should have a mix of that. So, you know, on my blog, what we try to do is actually create content that's a bit of fun. We, we do storytelling, we educate. Education still is maybe the biggest piece of what we do. Mm -hmm. But on the other side, you still got to have some fun. Mm. So, uh, and we've got to inspire people. And so sometimes, you know, I might write a piece about, you know, the challenges we as humans have, you know, whether it's procrastination and whether it's, you know, business skill sets, whether it's um, not starting something because we're afraid of being judged. 
and online a lot of people don't start or create a blog or start an online business or or write content and share it with the world because they're afraid of you know being wrong they're not willing to be vulnerable so I think there's a really important piece to this content to keep it real that's what's great about social media that's what attracted me to social media was you could share your thoughts with the world without any gatekeepers yeah but you had to be you have to be willing to be vulnerable you have to be willing to put yourself out there and going look uh, this is my thoughts. And someone said, well, Jeff, you have no idea, yeah. right? And going, well, that's potentially the case. But guess what? I'm having a go. Nothing happens till you start. And I see this all the time. And I think we as humans are innately creative. And I, I just see so much potential lying dormant that is not being shared with the world. You know, people's genius. Why shouldn't it be shared with the world? Exactly. And there's a lot of people with great ideas that have worked in corporates and they go to retire and the IP is being buried in the in the filing cabinets. Along with their gold watch. <laughs> Absolutely. And so who are they? What's their IP? What's their genius? What's their ideas? And you can't find them because mm. they've been lost in the corporate you know, maelstrom and vortex. So, and that's why I encourage people to do, I suppose, a parallel path and is one to create as a personal brand, um, share your thoughts with the world. If you're a a marketer within an organisation, why shouldn't you have an online portal where you create it? You can make it simple like Tumblr or you could start a blog on WordPress or you could go and do something on Medium. Why shouldn't you be creating and sharing your genius with the world? Because... What excitement I see that done is that when you actually create, that's where the magic happens. Mm. You create and share with the world and you change the world and the world changes you. And what you have along the way as you do this is you actually have to package your knowledge and put it into chunk size pieces of IP. Yeah. Right. And I really truly believe that everyone should be creating content and sharing it with the world because that is a place where genius can emerge. Yeah. Look, and, and there's so much in what you just said there, and, and, and the passion that you have for it is coming through. Like, I can feel it here. But there are so many things in what you said there that are counter to the way many large corporates work. Yep. First of all, they don't want to share their knowledge because of the whole concern about competitive advantage. The second thing is that they actually think that they have to borrow entertainment. You know, one of the articles I read is, uh, I think someone from Mondelez said, oh, content marketing is not no different, it, uh, not new, it's just uh, like the soap operas of old. You know, they were harking back to the days of Unilever sponsoring soap operas in the 30s and 40s. As a way, you know, they haven't moved forward because content to me is so much more than just creating and sponsoring entertainment. As you said, I I, I was fascinated. What were those four things again? You said education. Inform. Mm -hmm. That's the news. So educate, inform, entertain and inspire. Inspire. See, I was using, and and, uh, incorrectly, I used the word utility usefulness you know to me content had to have some useful purpose in the audience's life so i was but i was criticized a lot because utility in software programming is a particular pro quite prosaic definition you know Mm -hmm. it does a function um and i really like those four especially the inspire because so much great content 
does have that inspirational spark to it. Absolutely, and I think you've really got to touch people's hearts. Mm. And there's a great quote, I can't remember who it was from, but it's, it goes like this, is that, I will forget what you've told me, but I won't forget how you made me feel. Mm. So we've got to remember as marketers that we are in the business of changing hearts and minds. So you've got to touch people's soul, mm. okay? You've got to you know, scare them, inspire them, make them happy, bring them to tears. So contents, you know, is entertainment, but it's also useful. Mm. And I, it doesn't mean that you exclude, you know, any of those. It just means you play with all of those different types of pieces of content. Yeah. And then not only that is that you need then to use, you know, the variety of media we've got at our disposal now, such as video, video, you know, live streaming now, um, you know, Meerkat, Periscope, Facebook yeah. Live, um, podcasts like we're doing today, audio, because it's people hear your real voice yeah. and sense your passion. Yeah, and the interaction. Yes. Yeah. So really important that people um, get touched right away. So some people prefer to actually read something as, a, you know, as against listening to something. Mm. Uh, or some people like the younger generation would rather watch a video. And that's great. So repurposing content becomes a really powerful way of reaching more people um, by putting it in a different media. So that's why I think it's probably a better strategy for these large brands that have lots of resources and multiple channels to rather than try and go out and create content for themselves necessarily, that they actually become the conduits or the curators or even the facilitators of people that are already generating content themselves. And I think, you know, we're seeing this in the whole move towards influencer marketing, mm -hmm. which is finding people that have become influencers in their own right for a particular audience and then using that influence to actually help build a connection with your brand or business. That's right. So this is this is the power of collaboration, the trust economy where you... And this is not new again. It's just being done in a different way. Mm. And it's basically reaching an audience through a partner. Um, and in the blogging space, some of this is called affiliate marketing, incredibly powerful. Um, affiliate marketing's maybe got a bit of a bad name because it was done, you know, not in an honest way before. A bit of black hat SEO. Absolutely. So, uh, but collaboration and partnering is really, really important to actually explode, you know, your reach. And that mm. can be done, you know, guest blogging can be done uh with affiliate marketing. So there's a whole different you know, range of ways to actually do this. Mm. And you know, just think about it, if you could work with 100 partners that all have an email list, for example, and a social media you know, networks that are measuring the tens of thousands that say that each, you know, you get 100 people with 10,000 in their email list, that is a huge reach. And then on top of that, add the social to that. Yeah. You start to get some serious reach well, and YouTube stars, you know, you get scalability oh. up in the tens and hundreds of millions of yeah. followers and the passion that their followers are following them with yep. is because it's trust. Yep. You know, I mean, it's hard to believe that there are kids, teenagers, 20-year-olds, 30-somethings yep. that have got followings of the tens of millions and it's a passionate following because they have that Absolutely. relationship. You yeah. Know? Well, you only have to look at how Minecraft built a business that recently got sold to Microsoft for $2 billion. They wow. almost did no direct advertising or marketing. 
Yeah. What they did is they run an annual conference where, guess what they do? They don't just talk about the product. They actually run YouTube classes and teach the teenagers how to create great YouTube videos. And guess what that's about? Minecraft. Yeah. So apparently about 80 to 90% of all Minecraft's discussions happening online are done by the crowd. I think it's 99% actually, uh, if you look at some stats out of Analytica. 99% and Minecraft has something like 40 billion to 50 billion YouTube views um, which talk about and show people how to play the game. How powerful is that? Yeah. And they actually didn't create the content. They just facilitated the users, creating. the users and the fans yeah. on how to create the content. So outsourcing your content to that, to your users, passionate users, is an incredibly powerful way to explode your marketing. It does require absolute fundamental change in the attitude of a marketer that's going from command and control, I've got the budget and I'm going to pump, create and pump out messages exactly. to I am going to embrace, identify and embrace an audience community of influencers and fans and actually find a way to facilitate their utility or enjoyment or uh, inspiration, information of the way that they work and enjoy the benefit of having done that. They should be saying, how can we find the heroes? Yeah. How can we you know, find the people that are advocates and give them the tools mm. to, to talk about us? Mm. And, I, uh, and amplify them, amplify and, you know, uh, and recognise them as well so that they become even bigger influencers and that's bigger right. stars. That's right. So the command and control economy is, is dissipating slowly. Mm. And that's what's great about the social web. When I saw that I could reach the world eight years ago without paying any gatekeepers, but just by creating the best content I could and building the best distribution I could, whether it's on email, whether it's on social, and, and earning authority on search engines. So, you know, that's what excited me eight years ago, still excites me today. And there are still so many brands that just do not get this. Yeah. And because it's a mindset thing, you know, it, it, when you've got 30 years of habits on, on doing things a certain way, you are not gonna change them very easily. And I get that. Um, so, I think teams need to look at a combination of, you know, the younger generation, the older generation with maybe more common sense, and the younger generation with the passion and the energy, and, and let them work together more. Yeah. So, and, and let them bring that energy and passion to the, to the, to the fire. Because yeah. so. we've covered a lot of territory, which is exactly what I expected from this conversation. But, you know, I think a lot of people, a lot of marketers and a lot of businesses are often intimidated by the range of things that oh, can be huge. done. Oh, yep. Yeah, like there are a million things you could do these days. Podcasting, yep. and you've named some of them and we've talked about them. But what would be your advice to someone in trying to sort out what to do? Because in some ways, it's not what you should do, because you could do anything. Yep. But how do you decide what not to do and how to embrace what you should do? Um, there was a great uh, piece put on YouTube. Uh, it was two, a series of videos, two videos done by Coca-Cola 
I think about four years ago now. And yeah, their 2020 strategy. Yeah, their yeah. 2020 strategy. And what I loved about their approach was they said, well, we're going to do 70% safe content marketing. In other words, things they know will work. Then they're going to do 20% that's sort of a little bit out there, and then 10% that really is right out there. And then what they'd do is they'd find that 10% that really resonated, a channel it might be or a tactic, roll that into the 20 and then build that out a bit more and then that really works, roll that into the 70. So you, you've got to be breaking things all the time, trying different stuff, be willing to get it wrong. It doesn't mean that you, you, know, you, you go off half-cocked, but it means that you need to be testing some different stuff. Okay, let's see if you know this particular landing page works and then you can measure it going, well, I actually increased my conversion rate from 2% to 3%, mm. which means I've increased my my lead generation by 50%. Yeah. Well, that's pretty powerful. Mm. So what happens along the marketing journey now, because you can measure so many pieces of it, is that you, it's a, it's a journey of optimization now. It's not a journey of just, well, I want more traffic, just blunt force. Yeah. I need to optimize. So for me, the journey over the last two years, especially the last 18 months, has been concentrating much more on the optimization piece and the ROI in terms of, making sure that I'm continuing to tweak what I'm doing on a daily basis. And you can do A-B split testing with simple, like lead pages, you know, uh, sumo me. All of these, you actually can do a split test within minutes, yeah. right? Multivariant testing on uh, emails and yeah. social and all yeah. sorts of things. That's yeah. right. So you can compare, it does a simple landing page that's just orange with black writing on it with a simple call to action. How does that perform against a lovely image with a woman looking mm. over a mountain with a call to action on it? Guess what? The simple one works better than the sexy designed designer-looking image. So this is what's really fun about the journey now is, okay, I've got the traffic, I've got the credible and trust as a brand. Okay, now how do I get serious about this? And that's the science piece. And I'm, the other one is digital marketing automation platforms yeah. because the, the problem we have in the new digital marketing landscape is that it is so splintered, as you mentioned before. We've got a whole range of media. We've got literally thousands now of social networks. Mm. Okay, you've got the big ones, but there's literally thousands of these players now. So how do you manage all that? Well, humans can do it with spreadsheets and just hiring more people. The reality is that machines do this much better than we used to. And I remember I'd started to do some very simple digital marketing automation with Twitter, mm. and I actually automated my tweets and I had stones and rocks thrown at me from the sidelines of the social network going, how dare you automate, Jeff? You are just becoming a bot. And I'm going, well, it saves me 100 hours a month and allows me to scale my effort. And I ignored them and I kept on. I actually continued to tweak and do that. And then we've taken it to a whole new level, digital marketing automation platform now. Mm. So what you've got to do is you've got to be willing to be wrong, willing to be judged, willing to be called out and going, well, guess what? It works, yeah. right? And, and this is the thing about, you know, academic versus doing it. Well, but you, you said science. You know, my uh, career started in medical yeah. research. And I say to people all the time, test and learn is actually the scientific method. You know, the scientific method yeah. was observe, make a hypothesis, create an experiment to test the hypothesis yep. with a control and a, and a test, and then see what the results are. And if you get a positive response, then do more of that. 
if you get a negative response, then come up with a new hypothesis and start again. But, you know, it's such a simple technique. But I think there's this absolute thinking. There's this approach that it is all or nothing. You know, it has to be television. It has to be social media. It has to be Facebook. It has, to, you know, when in actual fact, people are not like that. I don't know if any of your friends are all the same, but mine are all very different, and the audiences are exactly the same way. And so it's become more incumbent on us than ever before as marketers and businesses to start to experiment and test and find out what is it that people want. Uh, have you heard of the, um, of the choice paradox, which is when you ask people what they want, they say more choice. But in actual fact, when you give them more choice, they hate it because then they're caught with the having to make a decision. And in actual fact, what people mean when they say more choice is they're really saying, I just want what I want, when I want it, the way I want it, and how I want it. But the only way I know you can deliver that to me is give me all the choice and I'll choose what I need. And it's the same in the way we communicate with them. We have to think of it as everyone is an individual. It's the scene from Monty Python. You're all different. We're all different. You're not the same. Yeah. I am. Yeah. <laughs> that that we have. Yeah. We have to acknowledge that even though you work on segmentations and things like that, the natural fact that whole audience scalable to tens of millions of people are actually tens of millions of individuals. That's right. And they all have a choice. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. And the more I travel, the more I realise that we are incredible. Uh, incredible sea of humanity mm. and we all see the world with such different eyes yeah and that's what makes it exciting and the other thing i like is we also change all the time you know one minute you want one thing and the next minute you go oh i want to i want to try something different that's right we're not predictable though they say we're predictably irrational <laughs> <laughs> look um what on, on that basis, you know, one of the things that I find is a real lack of strategy or an understanding of what strategy is. I have a lot of conversations with people who get objectives, strategy and plans completely mixed up. In fact, they often talk about objectives as if they're the strategy. Yeah, we want to be market leader. Okay, that's your objective. Your strategy is how you're going to get there and the yep. plan the is what you're going to do, yep. right? Yep. Um, but they think that the strategy is to become market leader. Where, where do you see strategy fitting in this? And also, you talk about metrics. You are talking about return on investment, aren't you? That's right. That is the only metric. Yeah, return on investment. At the end of the day, business has got to make money. Yeah. Um, and... I remember speaking to some CEOs of the Finance Institute and uh, over a presentation at a, um, a lunch and uh, I actually, along talking about content, I was talking about social media and guess what I also was talking about? I talked about return on investment, about conversion, the last piece and it was, so three steps, I like to keep things simple. The rule of three, you know, traffic, okay, get traffic, then you get people turning up to your online portal or to your store then you need to actually engage them that's where it builds credibility and trust that's the content and the last piece is okay i've got to convert that now into leads and sales and using that language and just three steps and having that conversation um, is music to a ceo's mm. ears and senior management because at the end of the day they're going to be you know demanded by shareholders to show me the money mm. 
and you know, and I believe a clear plan is really, really important, or a strat and a strategy. Okay, in other words, and I think a strategy is also important because it actually is a is a document and a process that educates the team along the way about you know being on the same hymn sheet, mm. and whereas just a tactic, it's like. Okay, that didn't work, toss that away. Tactic, that didn't work, toss that away. Mm. Well, what's our goal? Well, we want brand awareness. Oh, I didn't know that. I thought you wanted this. Mm. So just leaping the tactics is one way of failing. You might snag it, you know, jag it. By accident. By accident. And not even know. That's right. <laughs> but a strategy will lay out, a, you know, a, a, an overall approach that will actually say well we're going to look at these three networks we're going to this is what the goals are within that and these are the tactics we're going to do to achieve it and basically you're putting you're educating people and showing them a clear strategy of how to get there and i i struck this all the time is that a lot of organizations aren't prepared to really sit down and do that because it costs money and say show me that's really going to work you know prove me now that this is going to work and going well there is no proof until you actually go and do it test and try it, it yeah. test it. Just like your scientific, you know, when you talked about the science process of going, gee, that sounds like a modern digital marketer to me. Well, it's, it's a technique that uh, gave us the theory of evolution because that's exactly the technique that Charles Darwin used. He observed, he hypothesized, he tested. In fact, all modern science is based on that methodology. Yep. And so there's no reason why today, and you're exactly right, in the world that marketers live in today, they have to embrace the scientific method. That's right. This is how to integrate, because I know marketers that are madmen, and they don't understand how to embrace the math men. Yep. Right? This is the way to do it. The math men are the ones that are going to measure the performance of the experiment. And the experiment is actually your marketing activity. Yeah. Because you can design your marketing activity. The hypothesis is an informed uh, gut reaction. It is actually a creative process. I observe something happening. I then hypothesize what is the underlying drivers. I could do some research and things like that, but I'm still making a informed hypothesis about what the underlying drivers are. I will not know if my hypothesis is right until I've tested it in the marketplace and got empirical, and that's the important thing, not gut reaction, but empirical results as to what, that support or disprove my hypothesis. Absolutely. And I really do believe that the geek will inherit the world. Yeah. <laughs> Well, um, I was in um, Singapore this week and I met a guy who has a company um, and they do data analytics, but most importantly, data visualization. And I said, that is brilliant because very few people are number literate. That's right. But he spent most of his career working out how to take massive amounts of data and turn it into pictures that people can actually see what's happening. And make sense of. Yeah. Yep. And, and I think you know, that is how you go from data to information to insight to knowledge to wisdom. You, know? yep. you make it easy for people to actually process. Yeah, I think the ability to actually take the complex and make it simple is a real gift. Mm. And that only happens when you actually do put yourself in a place to create and sit down and actually okay, how do I put this into a package that makes sense? Yeah. Well, you and Albert Einstein, because <laughs> Albert Einstein said exactly the same thing, Jeff. Yep. He said any fool can make it complex. That's right. A genius can take the complex and make it simple. 
and that even applies to the art of writing, you know, copywriting. Mm. Mm. Um, it's such a, it's a great book. It's not on copywriting, but it's by Stephen King, the great fiction writer. And he mm. said, um, he, he wrote a book called On Writing. And he goes into, you know, the power of simple. Mm. And he used an example of, you know, Mark Twain. Here's a 52-word sentence from Mark Twain. It's a very powerful piece of writing. He said, look at 38 of these words are single syllable. Mm. So the power of simple to get across complex mm. thinking is really, really important. So yeah, it, that is so vital. So is that, uh, would that be your biggest lesson from your career, the power of simple, or is there another lesson that you'd share with people? Uh, there are so many lessons. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure. Um, I think the biggest challenge we in a, as digital marketers is that we've been distracted by the shiny new toys of social networks and um, that blinded me to doing some of the scientific stuff, mm. which was, um, you know, taking that traffic and taking that uh, credible and trust through creating content um, and not turning it into leads and sales. Mm. So I didn't start that early enough. Uh, so for me now, the journey is much more about the, the sharp end as a business person now, as an entrepreneur, is turning that traffic and trust mm. uh, into a real ROI. Yeah, how do we co capitalise and commercialise on the relationships and the attention that's right. that we're creating? That's right. And that's because I still believe that we, as digital marketers, because it's so new and exciting that we're being distracted by shiny new toys and and the creative piece, which is great. It doesn't mean you don't do it. It just means then we really need to get the sharp end and really get good at the, uh, you know, the return on investment piece, mm. which um, everyone is saying, well, you know, what's the purpose of social media? Well, what's the purpose of a telephone? You know, so these were the sort of analogies that were made. Yeah. So I think it's time to get real. It's to move from passion to uh, real business. Yeah, absolutely. Look, um, we've run, unfortunately, we've run out of time. This has been a fabulous conversation, and I really uh, thank you for making the time, Jeff. It's been a pleasure. And uh, I've just got one last question for you. Um, you've checked out my website. How could I improve my traffic?